And forgive me from the get-go. I'm having problems with this mic. very sorry. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Glory to you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Be glorified, Lord, among us. Lord, we've gathered in the name of Jesus. Lord, we do believe in your word. And I know that there are more than two or three in here that truly live and abide in Jesus. And Lord, according to your word, because of that, you are here with us. So Lord, please tarry here with us, lead us, guide us, teach us. Lord, do something supernatural. And Lord, forgive us. And when I say us, I mean forgive those folks, those of us in your church, even from years ago, who misused the, the gifts. Maybe we were like Corinth, the church at Corinth. But Lord, we want to see the supernatural. And when I say I want to see the supernatural, Lord, I, I don't mean the silliness. I don't mean the show, Lord. But Lord, we want your spirit. We want your power to be in us, on us, and through us. Lord, that we may be fully equipped to do the work of the ministry, fully equipped to fulfill the purpose and the plan that you've called us to individually and as a group, as a body. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we had yesterday, but thank you even more so, Lord, for what you've done in us as individuals because you were there. And thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in us because we're here. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Uh, magnified in this. Be magnified. Be magnified in this service, Lord. Be magnified in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to get started that way. Not the prayer necessarily, but with the problems with this mic. I'm, I think we're, we're just going to have to get a new one. Amen? Okay. Uh, hallelujah. Now, <clears throat> some of you have been here uh, very steadily and... Um, haven't missed a week. I'm going. I've been in 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 Second Timothy. You could put it up there, case. And in Second Timothy uh, chapter one, verse six, we've been here for a little while. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. My brothers and sisters, we need to be operating in the power of God. And and when I say something about the supernatural, I'm very very specifically uh, it, it meaning that we need it's by God it's by the power of God that we are all things that we do all things and we and the things that that we know that that, that we know that we know that it's all by the power of his holy spirit jesus said it this way that you can do nothing without me okay and so the presence of jesus in our lives is his holy spirit amen okay so now if we have the holy spirit and all who are truly born again have been dealt a measure of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches us specifically that we need to live our lives being filled with the Holy Spirit. A constant stream. We, we need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? If that's the case, and then we know what the infilling of the Holy Spirit did in the first church, in the first century, in that early church. There were signs, wonders, and things that followed. 
I'm not after the signs and wonders. Are you with me? I'm after more of the Holy Spirit and the signs and wonders happen. Thank you, brothers. Somebody's getting and the signs and wonders happen as a result of you and I being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit. We need His power in our lives. And, and the further we go, and my, my brothers and sisters, the further we go, the more crucial it's going to be for his believers to be endued with power. Yes. Amen? Amen. And, 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 my, and, and we're not. And, and in the modern church, in the church in this era, the church in this country, we're not. It's just about, you know, and I'm not going <laughs> to... God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. And we talked about all of those. And it's so good to see you. Just, thank God you're back. But it, it's so good to see you all. But my brothers and sisters, listen. We've talked about the love and the power and continue, we'll continue to talk about power. But last week, we really focused in uh, on, on the sound mind, right? And, and let this mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in you. Amen? Amen. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. And then also, we so you have the mind of Christ. That's what Paul told the church at Corinth. So he was in turn telling us by the Holy Spirit, you have the mind of Christ. Amen? All of that is so important. Uh, but I, let's go back and, and remember last week, I think we, we touched on this as well. Uh, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. Verse 8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So watch. Remember we touched on it last week, the sufferings in our current age and in, I guess, where we live if we're experiencing any kind of discomfort, we equate that to sufferings. That doesn't compare at all with what uh, Paul had went through, what Paul was going through. And I want to tell you and be honest with you and sincere with you, that's not going to compare at all with what's going to happen here in the not-too-distant future. I, I, I believe it. I want you to be prepared for it. I want your children to be prepared for it. I want our children's children to be prepared for it because it is getting quick to that point where it is going to cost you something other than just discomfort to be a Christian. And I don't mean a, 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 you know, a mealy-mouthed Christian. I don't mean a sunshine and roses Christian. I'm talking about being a true believer. Amen. I'm talking about a, one who is walking it out. And you know that. Right. Amen? Right. And that's why we, we need the power of God. Without the power of God in our flesh, we are prone to conveniences and comfort and, and taking the easier way. But let me just tell you, it's not going to just come down to just convenience or comfort in the not-too-distant future. It's going to, in some cases, be a matter of life and death. What choice will you make if it actually, it literally may cost you your life? Cost you status, stature. I'm getting some kind of ringing... Anyway, my brothers and sisters, this is what I'm talking about. We need the power of God. The power of God. It might have just been a vibration over here. I apologize. Lord, in Jesus' name, help me not to be distracted. Holy Spirit, I believe that this message is so important. Lord, I believe that I am so fired up in my emotions. I ask you right now to get my emotions out of the way. Hallelujah. 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 Now we're going to jump to Luke uh, chapter 24. 24. 
We'll begin in verse 44. And I'm so glad to see some of you still have the old paper Bibles. Hang on to them. It's okay to use the convenient ones right now, but they're changing them. And I told you they were going to change them, and they're doing it. They are doing it. Hallelujah. Okay, so in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Then he, Jesus, said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. I'm going to pause here for a bit. And this is part of, uh, my brothers and sisters, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm a little bit fired up this morning. This is obviously Jesus. He's already been resurrected from the dead and he's about to go to heaven. He's meeting with his closest disciples and this is what he's saying to them. But, but I want you to really, I'm going to repeat it because it's so important. <clears throat> All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. What is he referring to as we know it? The Old Testament. Okay. The reason why this is so important to me, to you, to us now is there are um, mainline, sure enough, quote-unquote Christian ministers who are trying to, de to detach the Christian church, the, the body of believers, from the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to use them by name. And the reason why I'm not going to use them by name is not because I'm afraid. I'll, you, it's because, number one, I don't want to give them any more fame. I don't want you to, to just, okay, be curious. But also, my brothers, just listen. Some people are going to be immediately turned off. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say um, something, and I want you to tell me what you think of it. Christian faith does not rise and fall on the accuracy of the 66 ancient documents of the Bible. I am so glad that some of you rolled your eyes and some of you looked in disbelief. That, is, that, is, that statement is from the pulpit of someone who is preaching that and building on that. Someone who is one of the, has one of the most largest mega churches in the world. And I'm talking about Hillsong. But I am saying that this person is very much sought after, has been very much uh, famed, and is highly respected, and has a, a huge mega church. Thousands. Thousands. Can you believe that? And so, what do you do when you come across something where Jesus himself says this? What do you do when, well, now the New Testament is more relevant. Okay, so then what do you do when the apostles and the early church, when they were preaching and, and teaching the word of God, they were actually making the New Testament, what were they preaching and teaching? The Old Testament, they were tying the life of our Lord and Savior in with what they had believed all of those years. What it was pointing to, he is the one who fulfilled the prophecy. Well, that's not relevant for us. It is most certainly relevant. This same minister does not believe in the Genesis uh, account of creation. I'm, I'm being honest with you. It shocked me. And I heard it from his own mouth. And so my brothers and sisters, we need to be very careful about who we're listening to, what we're reading, and what we're letting into our minds. Let this mind that was in Jesus also be in you. My brothers and sisters, we need to be steadfast because I want to tell you something as we continue in here. It's so important that we understand that this whole thing is the Word of God and it's inerrant. And my brothers and sisters, this person who has a huge church, a huge following, does not believe that. I was shocked. I was shocked. 
One of the things that this person had said was when he was a young person and hearing these preachers and teachers talk about sin and all that other stuff, it, you know, and, and my word's not his. And that's also why I'm not going to say because you're, you're going to accuse me of misinterpreting. You know, I'm just telling you the gist of what he said was you know, that that scares people and that's not good to grow the church or whatever. So now watch. This person is the son of a famous preacher who preached and taught. Sounds to me like maybe he had some daddy issues and that now is affecting his view of what this says. Come on, I'm, I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just saying, my brothers and sisters, the minute we get us involved in this, done. We have six ancient writings, and after all, those two, these are ancient writings. These are just you know things that you know, a historical account of the Jew. Okay, well, how do we know anything about the New Testament? So if I quote scripture out of the New Testament, oh, and and this person says that everything, everything, the belief that we have as Christians, everything is all about the resurrection of Jesus. True. Without the resurrection of Christ, we might as well not believe anything else, including the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is where we find first that this Christ will be resurrected. Hallelujah. 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 This is where we find out for sure that your sins and mine can be forgiven. Why? Because that person that claimed to die for your sins and mine said he would be risen on the third day, and he did it just like he said he would. And just like, by the way, centuries before the prophets under the influence of the almighty God spoke his word yes. hallelujah so that doesn't make me just want to discredit or discount the old testament even more in fact that strengthens my faith you are God then and you're God now hallelujah hallelujah Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever hallelujah in the beginning was the word the Word was with God. The Word was God. What do you do with that? So-and-so. I'm not going to say it. I, Do you understand why I'm fired up this morning? Hallelujah. So let's continue now. Verse 46. Then He, Jesus, said to them, Thus it is written. What? Are you kidding me? Well, why, why, Jesus, are you saying that? Because it's not important. Of course it's important. Jesus said, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and die to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Wait a minute. Repentance and remission of what? Sins. How in the world can I preach remission of sin without preaching their sin? How can you even begin to be Sorry for your sin if you don't realize that you are a sinner. I, 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 listen, I'm not the... I, I know that I don't have a high IQ. I say I know that. I guess I don't. I know that I'm not the world's leading authority, leading theologian. I know I'm not the best Bible scholar. But you've got to be kidding me. How in the world can you read these words and then have those opinions that I've just mentioned to you? How in the world can you read these words and say it's never important for someone like me to minister to his sheep, to minister to the folks that has put under the sound of his voice that, listen, God loves you. Yes, we're all sinners. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. But God. 
But God, because of this great love with which He loved us when we were dead in sins and trespasses, made us alive in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's the good news. That's the good news. That's what I bring to someone. That's what you bring to someone. Where you have to realize, yes, you've sinned. How can I repent if I don't know that I've done wrong? Pray for me. <laughs> thus it is written, thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are what? Endued with power. Endued with power from on high. Now listen, if you look at all of the, um, the, the synoptics and you look at the Gospels, what it talks about, now he's, he gives them the Great Commission, Matthew. He gives them the Great Commission. But the, before you can be given this Great Commission, before you can go out and do these things that I've asked you to do, you have to be endued with power. Why? Without me, you can do nothing. Amen. See? Now, did Tony make that up? No, I just told you what the Scriptures say. Now, the Scriptures say these things, and you can. And if you study the Bible, you'll know. The reason why I need His Spirit is because what He told me in John 14, 15, 16. I, I can't do nothing. I'm, he's the vine, I'm the branch. And without Him, I could produce no fruit. Without Him, I could do nothing. He said that out of His own mouth. So I know that I need to go ahead and I need to tarry in Jerusalem. I need to tarry where he told me to tarry if I were back then. It's, it's, I'm speaking metaphorically here. We need to tarry someplace. Someplace. It, it, it may not be... I'm not talking geography. I'm talking somewhere chronologically. You have to have tarried someplace and be empowered by Holy Spirit. You need to be empowered. You need to receive and make sure that you receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit on you in order to do the things that He's called you to do. Period. That's it. Yes, and He said, these signs, and Mark, these signs shall follow those who believe. He said it in more than one place. In my name, they will do these things. Now, in, I apologize for the charismatic Pentecostal movement that maybe has... Um, mess some of you up in your image of what that looks like and those of you who are watching we have a lot of people watching my, my, my brothers my sisters or my friend who may be well I, I'm not into that Pentecostal stuff that charismatic stuff that's all that crazy stuff no that's not what Jesus was talking about okay when he's talking about casting out demons and all that stuff he's, it's just as real today as it was back then but I will tell you, because people have went ahead and focused in on a laser beam like that, they saw where they could either get money, fame, or both, they're doing that and they forgot all of this other stuff that has to go before, during, and after. They forgot really what that stuff was actually for. It's not to enrich you. It's not to give you fame. It's not to glorify you. It's to glorify Jesus and save the people. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to be endued with power. My brothers and sisters, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just can't get it, say it enough and I can't stress it enough. I'm so concerned about that and I don't want to, again, come across like that charismatic or Pentecostal you know, fanatic, 
But we need to have these things evident in our life in these last days. I want to make sure that you're equipped, that you're open for it, but you're open for it according to the Scripture and that we are receiving it. Okay? I really do. I believe this. We have had people that have been healed among us. We have, I've seen demons cast out. Well, I mean, we've had things happen, but my brothers and sisters, it needs to be so real and relevant in our lives that the first thing that we think of when we are sick is go to the elders of the church. No. First thing. I got a bad report from the doctor. I'm going to walk out of that office. I'm going to call Pastor Tony. No. You don't have to call. Yes, call me. I'll be there with you for you or whatever. But no, the first thing you should think is Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You get a, You have something going on with your young... I, I've told you and I've talked to you like this before, but I see children in here and I'm reminded. I see older children in here and I'm reminded. And I think of me being a father and, and, and many of you, in, and about to be mother, and many of you know, and already, the baby hasn't been born yet, but you know that you would do anything, anything for the well-being and the, and, and the care of that child, of, of that person that you love. You know you would. So why wouldn't you give them everything that God has for them? If you are here, or if you're listening, and you say that you're a believer, and that you know that Christ Jesus is your Lord, then why wouldn't you want your child, your loved one, to have everything that the Lord has for them? Everything. Don't you want to know that you can go ahead, and if your young child's sick, you can bring them to the elders of the church. You yourself can lay hands on your child and have that child recover. Don't you want to know that? Don't you want to believe? Yeah, why? Well, no, no, no. It says it. Do you believe it? Do you practice it? Go with me, please, to uh, Philippians chapter three, brethren. Join in following my example and note those who walks, who so walk as you have uh, us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Let me pause here. He, I, I believe wholeheartedly based on the tone and tenor of all of the letters and specifically this one, that Paul is not speaking of people who are walking outside the church. When he's speaking about, he's warning them with weeping about those who, who walk. He's speaking of people in the church who are not walking according to Christ. That's what he's speaking about. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. Who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, this, this scripture we've been in for at least a couple of weeks, I believe. But I want to say, that's good. I want to just say something to you now, right? Part of the reason why we don't see this power is because we don't have this sound mind. We're not, we're not self-controlled. We're not sober-minded. We don't have this mind of Christ. And so when he's talking about whose God is their belly, he's not saying, like Pastor Tony, he can't pass up the chocolate chip ice cream. He's not talking about that. He's talking about their physical lust, their physical wants. That's what they're living their life according to. Come on. And so look, obviously when I say that, we think of sexual morality and things like that. But it's more than that. It's more than that. 
we could just sum it up again with what it started in the pride of life, right? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. So, so my brothers and sisters, that's part, and the reason why I'm honing in on this, the reason why I, I'm stuck on this scripture is, listen, do you believe that God has, given, has not given you the spirit of fear? Uh, the spirit of fear is not part of what God has planned for you. It's not. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Power. Spirit of power. Love. Sound mind. Now, I'm so very thankful, and we've gone through all of these, but I want to repeat just a little bit. I'm so very thankful that many of you understand at least to a great degree the power of love. What I mean by that specifically is that you do recognize the love that God has for you. You do recognize that when it says in 1 John 4 9, you know, that God showed his love. He made his love known to us. While we were sinners, he gave his son to die that we might live. Right? So God has shown us and demonstrated his love for us, right? But then also we see the life of Jesus, the compassion that he had on others, and specifically those who were not necessarily the ones who were following God according to their religion closely. The ones that were the outcasts, the ones that were the lower class, he hung with them. Come on. He healed the leper. He opened blind eyes. My brothers and sisters, he even healed someone on behalf of a Gentile. See? Do you, do you understand? So we see that love played out in Christ, we see it demonstrated in what he did for us, but we also see it in his life. Amen? And some of us have experienced that firsthand, you know, because of the love that's, that's been, not just that we've given to somebody, but the love that's been returned. People that, you know, we don't know that well who have extended grace and mercy toward us and helped us out when we were in dire need of help or, and, and we, didn't re, we just were acquaintances with them. How many of you in here can, can, can claim that? That you know, there were people in your life that helped you and it was grace. It, it was God. Amen. 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 So that's an awesome, awesome thing. So we understand. We have a perception of the love of God. Right? And the power, I mean, again, I, I don't want to whip this horse dead. But our perception of power is skewed somewhat, as I mentioned in the beginning of this sermon, because of the charismatic, the Pentecostal movement, the abuses, and, this, and, and, and that's nothing new, because as we're studying together 1 Corinthians, we see it was abused in the first church, the early churches. As you, so you see that, my brothers and sisters, right? Okay. But the power, there is a power, and many of us have experienced that power. Those of us who are truly born again, we have an understanding, a base understanding of the power of God. Why would I say something like that? Because we know what we were and we know what we are now. We know, listen, we know our worldview then, but we know our worldview right now and it's not a mental thing. So some people do have these, these moments in their lifetimes and they, they make changes and that's a, that's a good thing, I guess. But no, no, no. I'm talking about something down on, on the e in, inside of me. My heart, your heart, if you're born again, something changed. Amen? It became less about you, more about God, and more about others. Amen? And we're still working that out, aren't we? We're a little quiet. A little quiet. Why is that quiet? Why? And why, I know I'm going to get 
if I said this in front of some people, I'd get scourged with the tongue. We're still working that out. We're still working that out. Love is still needs to be perfected in our lives, right? And power, the power of God and the belief that God has changed something in our life. And, the, and listen, if it wasn't still being worked out, why would God tell us through His apostle, be ye being filled? Why would he continue? Why would he tell us you can, you need to keep be continuing to be filled? Why would he tell us to grow in grace? Add to your patience. Come on, right? See, there there's this this process that we need to continue to go through. And my brothers and sisters, what I'm saying is, in this process right now. We need to be at a point where we understand the word of truth. We need to understand that there, if there's fear, it's not of God. We need to understand that we have the power and we need to be operating in that power. And I'm telling you again today, for the sound mind or the mind of Christ, I think is one of the main things that are inhibiting us from power. Also this, if you don't have the love of God flowing through you or in you, I'm not saying it's all perfect, but if you don't have that love... My brother and sister, something's wrong. First John covers that. If you, can, if you can't love God who you can't see, if you can't love your brother who you can see. So my brothers and sisters, that, that might be another hindrance as to why the power of God is not flowing in us, on us, and through us. Maybe we're not loving each other like we ought to. Maybe we're doing it with lip service only. You know, it's real easy to say I love you and then walk away and not really be concerned with what's going on in someone's life. Now, I'm not asking anybody in here to be a busybody and I'm not asking anybody in here to tell your whole life to somebody. I'm not asking you about any of those things. However, my brothers and sisters, there should be a, enough time spent, there should be a closeness enough between some of us that we understand that when someone says I'm fine, they're not fine. When someone has a need and it may be, they, you may have caught it between the lines and all of a sudden something shows up to fulfill that need. Do you understand? That's love. So we have so many other stories and, and we're talking about now, um, we need to have this power and we have so many evidences, so many stories in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, of the power of God. Right? I mean, just think about the, the birth of Jesus. And see now, some people would, even Christians would say, well, that, that really didn't happen. Uh, Mary, you know, come on, man. God himself spoke himself into a young woman's womb. Period. That happened. That's a miracle. God himself did that. God, listen, God told Moses, you go before this king who represents Satan, you go to this king and you tell him, let my people go, that they can come and worship me. And then God knew that there would be a reluctance. Why? How do I know that? It says in the scripture, he hardened his heart. He knew those things would harden Pharaoh's heart and then he would not let them go. He would, re he would relinquish whatever. He and my brothers and sisters... It made him hard and they got into that contest and there were some mighty signs, wonders, and miracles that took place. And the, the, and the one that I can't let go, I mean, is that one where the Red Sea parts. The wind starts to blow and it's not like what you saw in the Ten Commandments when Moses 
Behold the salvation of the Lord. And no, it happened overnight. I mean, it, it, it took a while. The wind came up and it blew it back. And while they're waiting, they see the army approaching and what God did was appear in a pillar of smoke to block the view. This is all... Yeah, but see, Tony, those are just ancient writings and if you would believe what this other pastor said, there's ancient writings. Please. Please. Come on. Things like making iron float in the Old Testament for the prophet. Remember they were going to build, they needed a bigger building and, and oh, he gives permission to go, the, uh, the, the hammer, the iron, the hammer, and he, they, God made the iron float so they could find it. I mean, that's so silly and insignificant. It is, but let's follow the science. How does that happen? Well, he had a super ray and the ions in the air and blah, blah, blah. No, God did that. That was the power of God. How about this? Joshua says, Lord, we're, we're kicking butt here. Give me a little bit more time so we can finish the job. Come on. And God made the sun stand still. You really believe that happened yet? Yes, I do. Well, that can. Yes, it can. Why? God who created the sun, who put the sun in its place. God, that one who put the sun in his place, who caused everything to be exactly where it is, what it is, that one commands everything. And if he wants the earth basically to basically stand still, he's going to make it happen. Well, how come we didn't fry? Because God protected it. Amen. But see, if we, this is what I'm saying, my brothers and sisters, if we start eliminating all of those things, if we say we're totally detached from that, Okay, then, then all of that stuff goes away. It means nothing. That takes away from this power, this majesty, all of that, all that God is. Oh yeah, but we still have the New Testament. And there's yeah, but the New Testament, the foundation of the New Testament is on the Old Testament. Even the apostles said that the prophets, the foundation is... My brothers and sisters, how can we do that? How can we eliminate that? But see, see... So since we are, and since we're not looking at those things and teaching those things, well, God was, God was, too, uh, he was too rough back then. He was too bloodthirsty back then. There were people killed and all that. Guess what? There's going to be a lot more people killed in the not yes. distant future. Yes. And it's not because it's God's desire to do it. God's desire is that all should come to repentance. My brothers and sisters, this I can, we can't, we can't. How about... Uh, just, I mean, just so many different things. But the thing that really got me, I think, was really apropos, was the story of David and Goliath. You have David and Goliath. There you got Israel pinned down, and but you have this, this little shepherd boy that has five smooth stones. Five smooth stones. And you have this Goliath got this giant, literally, what is he, about nine foot tall, He's got six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot. I mean, this guy, and he's a giant, and he's got some kin. He's got some relatives. Now, five smooth stones in this little shepherd boy to absolutely run the Philistines off. First, to defeat their champion and run the Philistines off, to give victory to the armies of Israel. Well, that's, nah, that wasn't miraculous. I mean, he was a good shot. What made him a good shot? That's what I want to know. What, 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 what was in him? What, what did that? See, that's power. He didn't have to get up in there. That's right. He didn't have to get up in there. And don't you know who I am? No, he didn't do that. 
He didn't call Kenny Copeland and say, what should I do? He didn't do that. And I'm not trying to be facetious. But what I'm trying to say is, the word of faith would tell you, you just name it and claim it. That's, that's really not exactly how it happened. And so, five stones. He knew to take five stones, and we're going to make a big deal out of that. He had five stones. And, and, the, and, the, and the, the thing is, well, one was, they, they give a name. One was faith, one was praise, one was obedience, one was trust. Anybody know what the other one? I missed one. Well, that's the theory, is that he went and he was armed with all of those things, and that's what those five stones represented. Well, I don't, yeah, that's fine if you want to say that, but the one that hit him, that's the one I want to know. What one was that? <laughs> right? Now, some people say he took five stones with him because, my brothers and sisters, he took five stones with him because a Goliath actually had four brothers, and so after he knocked him down, he wanted four left just so he could knock down the brothers. I'm serious. That's some people actually believe that. And so I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and say, well, they're wrong. It, bah, 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 beep, beep, beep. I just would want to know, how would he know that he had four other brothers? Maybe he could have. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But regardless of all that, does that stuff really make a difference? So why in the world would I spend my time trying to study that? Was that really true? Let me see. Oh, so-and-so wrote a book on that. Let me, go. Let me read that article. That's the problem. We're doing all this stuff, reading everybody else's information. Read the Bible. Know what the Word says. Pray. Go after. Get a hold of God. Get a hold of God. Amen? How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to go talk to Pastor So-and-so. He's got this new book. No. Hold on to this. Read it. Pray it. Pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to give. See, that's, what you, that's what's filling you. And then you, know, then you live that out. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. So I'll read some of it and some of it will be up there. Kaysen, follow me if you can. It's going to be a little bit difficult. <laughs> we'll see if Kaysen's up for the task. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning verse 8. Then he stood, this is uh, Goliath, he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for a battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And listen, this is the key. I want you, that's why he's, Kaysen has that up for you. Kaysen, put that up for him. Verse 10. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I defy the armies of Israel this day. See, Israel, remember, Israel, that's the prince of God. That's an overcomer. That's one who prevails with God. If you look at the exact definition of that. That's one who, see, God is tied to that. And so, you guys know, we, we could read ahead, but you guys know, one of the things that David says is that you're defying the armies of the Lord. See, you're not just flying in the face. You're not just trying to gain some property. You're not just trying to um, take over a people. You're defying God. See, I want to tell you all something. See, the battle that you're fighting is first here. So you have to have the power of God inside of you. But the battle outside of you is not with that person that you could see. It's the spirit behind the person that you could see. And if you're, if, listen, 
If you're not equipped spiritually, the battle is always going to be between you and the person that you could see, and you're never going to win spiritually. Somebody better write that down. That's, free, that's straight from heaven. I'm telling you, if you're not spiritually armed, if you're not spiritually equipped, the battle is always going to be with what you could see, and you're always going to lose. Hallelujah. Oh, you may win that battle. Okay? When I say lose, eventually you lose. The war will be lost. Or you may have some little these victories. You may have somebody who doesn't even believe enough in what they think they believe. Or you may have someone you know, who's wishy-washy, mealy-mouthed or whatever, and you think you won. But they're doing some stuff behind your back. Or they're doing the things behind the scenes. And even if they don't, you still have to give an answer to God. Amen? Now, listen, I want to tell you, that's deep. I hope deep is crying out to deep right now. I hope that some, listen, somebody needs to hear that. So whatever you're involved in right now, wherever you think that you're either suffering for Christ's sake or someone is against you or, or something's against you, make sure that you're seeing it with spiritual, have the mind of Christ. Make sure you're looking at it with spiritual eyes so that you have a chance, listen, to be the Israel of God. Amen? Okay, so let's continue. So now we're gonna. So now that after that it goes down, and, and the Bible in that chapter then starts to begin uh, to introduce us to David. You know, it talks about David, the son of Jesse, where he's from, and all that other son, all that other stuff. David is uh, he had uh, Jesse had eight sons. Uh, three of Jesse's sons were part of Saul's army. They were actually there, and we all know, most of us do, that David was in the field taking care of his father's flocks. Amen. So look at uh, chapter 17, verse 17 with me. Jesse said to his son David, Take now for, for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of the thousands and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of me. Okay, so watch. Look at what David's saying. Da or, I'm sorry, Jesse. Jesse's saying to David, I, you know, we don't have the internet. We don't have a newspaper. I don't have any way of knowing how it's going. I don't have CNN. I don't have Fox. I don't have all of these talking heads to tell me how the war is going. Go out there, bring this stuff, and, and bring something to the captain of the guard so he's kind of, you know, schmooze them, and, and tell me how your brothers are doing. That's what this is about. Jesse cares for his three sons that are in the battle. He cares about what's going on. He sends his son David. My brothers and sisters... <clears throat> David goes without hesitation. We don't see anything where David is, is, is scared or anything like that. The Bible doesn't tell us that. So I think that, that if it was important, we would have known. If David was afraid, I think we would have known. If David was nervous or shy or anything about that, we would have known. If David had any objection, hey, listen, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm out here in the weeds, you know, tending the sheep like I've always done, like you've taught me, like you've told me, like you've commanded me. Why do I got to do this now? Is that tracking with anybody right now? See, because sometimes we get so comfortable in those positions that we've had. And, and I'm not talking about your job, your job status. I'm talking about in the church, your walk with God. We've become so comfortable with where we are and we think that we're okay. I'm not sinning the same sins that I used to sin. I'm, I'm giving a little bit of money here. I'm doing a little bit of that. And we're so comfortable that God is saying, listen, that was just the step. And now I'm not talking to you. Your best is yet to come. Your best life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the purpose and plan that God has for you. If you're interested in fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God has for you, 
then my brothers and sisters, He may be calling you to the next step. There may be something. There, there's, instead of settling for comfort, instead of settling for that point where you are and thinking that you're all, you know, I've got it nailed. This is my walk with God. This is, no. No. No, 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 no. In fact, I think we talked about it as a group yesterday. You know what? Most of the time when you're going to do something, you're going to be uncomfortable. And that's when you really, because if I'm comfortable with it, I'm going to, be, I'm going to depend on my own understanding. I'm, I don't need the mind of Christ. I've got the Tony mind. He could figure this out, right? I ain't dumb like people think. No, you, you understand what I mean? You, you, I, I could figure it out. I could do something. About, if I'm, listen, if I'm challenged, then I'm more apt to say, Jesus, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. I can't. Are, are you with me? Okay, so don't settle for where you are. And, and come. So David didn't settle for what he was... And I'm not trying to read anything else into this. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to make that scripture say something that it's not. I'm just thinking of uh, possibilities here and I see the personality of David. And I see this obedience. Amen? So David arrives. He goes just like his father says. He gives the stuff to the uh, captain. And look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. He arrives and he's hearing these things. He's hearing the buzz. He, at first, he hears, uh, what's his face, uh, Goliath yapping. And, he, and I could just imagine, what's going on? And then he hears about what's going on. And then he's getting you know, different uh, opinions from different people. And then they tell him, you know, hey, whoever goes out there and takes him, you know, he's, he's going to be a wealthy man. He gets one of, the king's wife, uh, one of the king's daughters for a wife. And blah, blah, blah. This is going to be great and all this other stuff. Now look at what it says. Look at me. Uh, look with me, please. On uh, seventeen twenty-eight. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, "Why did you come down here?" Let me pause. Why did you come down here? You know why? Because my father told me to. That's why. Why am I? This hit me square between the eyes. I've been told by uh, when Michelle and I were going to a reboot and we went and we sought counsel. We sought counsel from one uh, person that they actually advertised to counsel pastors and pastors. And, and man, he absolutely blistered me. What makes you think that you should be doing what you're doing? I'm serious. Accused me of being a wicked servant because I was taking... My brothers and sisters, I, I left there mixed emotioned. I knew what Michelle would be like. <laughs> I think right after he said that, she just turned everything else off. No. No. And we left, and when we started talking on the ride home, I received counsel from the pastor, but then I received, received counsel from my wife. <laughs> and I started to say, well, here's some of the possibilities of what he said. This is what I'm considering. No! <laughs> There's the can. No, I knew you were going to think that. No. So, so what am I saying to you, my brothers and sisters? These things may happen in your life where you thought you, you, God is moving you to do something and you're going and you're going and flowing in what you believe is obedience to God. Don't let that naysayer, don't let that person that wants to throw shade on that just totally kibosh the whole thing. Listen to God. There's always going to be somebody who's a critic. There's always going to be somebody who's not spiritual. 
Now, am I saying that that pastor in my situation wasn't spiritual? No, I don't know. He may have had a rough night. I know he had a meeting with his staff just before that, and it went really long. And so someone who said, man, maybe, maybe something happened. So maybe something happened, and it overlapped into our meeting, and he was just in a bad mood. I don't know. But my brothers and sisters, thank God I didn't take his advice and shut this thing down. Right? Thank God. I would have met some of you. Right? And there are some people that we together, I'm not saying me, we together, because me and Michelle stuck it out, or Michelle and I, part of my grammar, I'm from Date City. No. <laughs> so Michelle and I stuck it out. And because we did, there are other people who have been affected. Are, are you with me? Because of you. Right? So, so, so listen, don't let anybody throw shade on, because David was obedient. Why did you come here? You know why? Because my father told me. You know why you're doing what you're doing? Because your father told you. Amen. Hallelujah. And when you start to doubt, my brothers and sisters, listen, what, what happens? What happens when someone throws a say, is, could a little fear enter in? Yes. Yeah. The door or the window for fear could be opened up just a little bit. And what that nullifies the power. And that is definitely not the mind of Christ. Are you with me? That's why I think we're, I'm pounding, the Holy Spirit has us pounding on the Scripture so hard. Right? So, so, again, let me relate it to this because all of us in some way or form or fashion can relate to this. So I get a bad report from the doctor. The first thing, fear. Or if I say something to somebody else, say, well, they want me to do this, but I really, I'm going to the elders of the church. The Bible tells me this and this is what I'm doing. And then you have that other, you know, it's not wrong for you to go and uh, get this procedure. It's not wrong for you to go and get that procedure. Maybe you do that first. Yeah, again, let people pray for it. Well, wait a minute. If your conviction was, I'm going to the elders of the church, Go to the elders of the church. I am not in any way down, playing down. Don't anybody. Well, Tony said you don't go to the doctor. You don't do this procedure. I'm not saying that. I'm not. But if God has already convicted your heart, if you already have the faith in you to say, I'm going to the elders of the church, go to the elders of the church. Some of us in this room, have a, we have experience with it. We're obedient to that word, and guess what happened? The power of God moved, and there was a healing that took place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep? He's insulting them. Have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart. You have come down to see the battle. What? See, look, look, look. There must be something about David that he already doesn't like. Right? Maybe daddy did treat him a little bit good. Maybe Eliab has some daddy issues. I don't know. But for whatever the reason is, Eliab to me represents so much of the stuff that happens to us on a day-to-day -day basis when we're trying to live in obedience to Christ, but somebody throws shade at us, somebody calls us names, somebody you know uh, insults us, and it most of the time will be people that are closest to you. Yes. And then right away, some doubt, some fear. Come on, you know I just said it a moment ago, right? This is, this is, this is, this is what we experience day, day to day. It's, and, and it hurts when it's somebody close to you. Someone who you love. Maybe the one that the enemy of your soul knows that pushed this button. I'm going to let a little bit of fear, which is going to cause doubt, and then it's all over. No power. That's why we need the mind of Christ. Amen? So David goes about and he's confirming. He says, hey, David first says, hey, isn't there a cause? I mean, come on. 
And so now David is finding out, getting all, he's getting all this stuff verified. Okay, before I go and fight this battle, what am I going to get? He goes and he's making sure that all... And in the meantime, that Goliath is down in the valley and he's yapping. He goes, he makes his way to Paul. I'm sorry, Saul, forgive me. He makes his way to Saul. And he tells Saul that he wants to do this thing. And, and, and you know, Saul's looking at him, I can imagine. But Saul, and, and David, David gives a testimony. The enemy of your soul is overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Don't, here, here's the other thing I want to say to you. You have a powerful testimony. Well, no, I, you know, see, Pastor, I'm one of those that I, li I grew up in church and I, I really didn't break any of the top ten. And, you know, uh, I just realized one day I, I needed, you know, and I got serious about my walk with God and I got rebaptized. Mm -mm. You have a powerful testimony. It doesn't matter. You can compare yourself to the worst offender, a serial killer. It doesn't matter. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. He made you alive. And it does, there's no degree. There's no degree. If I stand here and lie to you constantly and continuously, or if I told lies and I walk out of here and not even worry about it, I'm going to suffer the same punishment as Hitler. See, and I'm not trying to be flippant. Again, I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm not trying to, to make fun or make light or be funny. Not at all. This is so serious. Right? So you experienced something powerful in your life. You did. If you're born again, you've passed from death to life. That is powerful. If you are born again, that means the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now in you. How can that not be powerful? You have a powerful testimony. So David stands there before Saul and he says, listen, I withstood the bear and the lion. I protected my sheep from the bear and the lion. And he says, and he gave glory to God. The Lord delivered them to my hand. Amen? So I saw, okay, go ahead. And we know what happens, right? Saul clothed David with, this is verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened the sword to his armor and tied, tried to walk. For he had not tested them. Tested. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. I'm going to pause here. Again, I'm not trying to read anything into the scripture here. I'm just relating to you when I'm reading this, what God is ministering, or I believe is the Holy Spirit is nudging me. That word tested comes from the, from obviously a Hebrew word. To attempt, to try. Right? So look, he's going into a very important battle. And now he's going in, he's going in with something that he says, I've not attempted this, I've not tried this. Okay? Well now, if he went in there with those, you could say, well, he was going in with faith because it hadn't been tempted or tried. Right? See, here's the problem. We try different things that are prescribed by the world. Right? And we don't think anything of it. We try it. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, God just gave this to me. We try different things that are in the world. We try the world's methods. We're going to try this. We're going to try that. David said, uh-uh, I, I can't do that. That's not part of who I am. Right? I'm not going to walk in those things. See, when he says, uh, I cannot walk with these, 
So I'm thinking the Bible is always telling me from a New Testament perspective now that I need to walk with the Spirit so that I cannot fulfill the lust with the flesh. The lust of the flesh, excuse me. Are you, are you tracking? So now listen, I'm not trying to twist Scripture here. I, I, I beg of you, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying when Tony reads the Scripture and what Holy Spirit is ministering to him, and I hope it ministers to you too, listen, I can't walk in the things of the world and expect to succeed spiritually. Come on. I can't walk in the things of the world and expect for my family to be delivered. Hey. Come on. Yeah. See, see, this, this just is jumping out at me. And I, I hope it means something to you. I cannot walk for these things. So I haven't tested them. So David took them off. Then he took in his, his staff in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's bag, a pouch which he had, and, and his sling in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. This little teenage boy. Again, significance of the five stones, I don't know. If he was an archer, I think he would have took five arrows just in case the first one missed. Well, that wouldn't have been faith. Are you kidding me? You see what I'm saying? Five stones. What happens if the first one misses? I'm going to get him with the second one. I'm going to get him. That's a, his, his, I'm getting him. So Goliath is down there now and he sees David approaching him and he's selling wolf tickets. Oh, he's totally insulted. And you guys know the story. You know what? Here I am, the champion. You send this little teenage boy. Today I'm going to feed you to the buzzards. Date City Lingo. So look with me in verse 45 of, of that chapter. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Amen. See, my brothers and sisters, you, we, if we are getting a hold of God, we are the princes of God and the princesses of God. Amen. That's what this scripture is teaching us. If we can stay and grab a hold and endure, if we grab a hold of God, we prevail with God. That's what that means. We prevail with God. Hallelujah. Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds in the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth, that here's the, that all the earth may know that I am the guest, best warrior that ever walked the face of the earth. It didn't say that? Okay. Oh, that all the earth may know that I am heck with a slingshot. Now look, I'm not trying to be silly, but my brothers and sisters, that's how silly it is when we try to work on our own. That's how silly it is when we're fighting for our own cause. And then invoking the name of Jesus. This is good preaching. I don't know how some of you are so bored. I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and that, that the whole earth may know that there is a God in Israel then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Hallelujah. I'm not, it's not me you've got to worry about. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, this is what this series of messages is about. We are on the Lord's side. 
He's not on our side. And that's part of the problem. We are on the Lord's side. And that's the victorious side. I read the back of the book. Some of you have too. We win. But even in the midst of this battle, he tells us you're going to have a series of battles. There's going to be some hard times. There's going to be hard sh- some hardships that you're going to have to endure. But don't give up. I've not given you the spirit of fear. David didn't show any fear. Power. David was totally confident in the power of God. You're not fighting me. You're to follow. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Right? Awesome stuff. My mind is made up. It's in my heart. It's been settled. Your battle is with the Lord's. So my brothers and sisters, in the face of that giant, he wasn't shaken. He knew what he stood on. He had the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Same thing for us. This is such a great example. When you are operating in the power of God, it doesn't matter what the giant is. Doesn't matter what he looks like. Doesn't matter how powerful he says he is. Doesn't matter anything. You are on the side of the Lord. There's the problem. You've got to make sure. Don't, listen. If the battle is yours and you're battling flesh and blood, I told you earlier, I, I believe, you, you cannot, it's, you're not on the Lord's side. And you can't ask the Lord to be on your side if you're battling flesh and blood with flesh and blood. Come on. And my brothers and sisters, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I think part of the reason why we also don't see um, any of the power, any of this kind of thing that I'm describing here, active in the church today, in the in the common church or in the the, the more contemporary church, is because we don't feel like we're in that kind of a battle. You know, we look at politics and think that's our battle. We think that the Democrats are our problem, the Republicans are our problem, cons- you know, conservatives are our problem. Progressives are our problem. Whatever. Black people are our problem. White people are our problem. This is our problem. That's what the devil has you thinking. Why? Because now you're not engaged in the real deal. See? Now, now you're fighting a... You're trying to fight a spiritual battle in the flesh with the flesh. Man, this is so good. I, I'm so glad. This is, listen to me. Listen to me. So then if we're exercising that in our public life, when we have these personal battles, now, now let me talk to you about when you're alone, when you're quiet, when it's just you or just you and the computer, just you and the phone, just you and one other person. There's a spiritual battle going on. Right? And you have to be armed and dangerous even against your own flesh. And if you're trying to beat the flesh with your flesh, you're not going to win. Believe me, the ice cream has beaten me. You, you understand what I'm saying? Again, I said that a little facetiously, but you understand that's just an illustration. Come on. Hallelujah. I want to give you this last scripture and we're going to end here. I, I've gone a little long as usual, so I'm not even going to say that anymore because I'm going this long all the time. <laughs> Back to Philippians 3, beginning of verse 2. Beware of dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. 
Rejoice in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. Did you hear that? Now look, I want to speak specifically. I don't want it to be taken out of context here. When, what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, beware of those people that are trying to hold you to all of these religious laws and rules. Okay? Be, beware of that. Beware of that. Because, listen, those religious laws and rules aren't what is what true worship of God is about. How do you know that? What, 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 why do you say that, Tony? Because look at what he says, right? We are of the circumcision. We are the ones who have truly come to Christ. We are the ones that identify with Christ. Who worship God in the Spirit, capital S. Are you there? So rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in your flesh. Amen? Let me ask you, is there anyone in here besides me who is sick and tired of battling in the flesh with the flesh? Yes. 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 Everybody can stand with me. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, I hope that this message... No, let me say it this way. I hope that the series of messages over the last few weeks have done something. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to stir us all up. I'm not going to say you, 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 we. I'm trying to stir us all up so that we're open for worshiping God in the Spirit, with the Spirit, by the Spirit, and thereby receiving a fresh anointing, receiving the touch, receiving the signs, wonders, and things that He has for us that He wants us to use. For our benefit and for His glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. But now, where we are right now, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in you. So are you willing right now, my brothers, my sisters, my person who maybe you're not sure if you're a brother or sister, you just think you are. Listen. Are you willing to give up all that you are all that you planned to walk in obedience to Him. And then don't look back. Don't have any fear. When someone throws shade at you, you have power. Have this mind of Christ. Amen? Amen. So Father, here we are. And I think, Father, many in this room understand specifically this message that you've delivered for them, to them specifically. Father, each of us may be in a different season in our walk with you. But Lord, I pray that this message, what you've just spoke to our hearts and our minds, would change something in each of us. Lord, let this be one of those spiritual markers in our lives where, Holy Spirit, you, you nudge our hearts, you grab hold of our hearts, you tear something up, you, you burn something up, or you build something up. Whatever has to be done, Lord, please do it. And cause us to walk away from here different than when we came in. And cause us, Lord, to walk out of here more determined to be walking only in your spirit. To be motivated only by your word. Father, be glorified in this body. Father, we lift up the name of Jesus to you. And Jesus, we love you. Jesus, it's all about you. 
not just words. We want it to be all about you. If we've not made it all about you, Jesus, let that happen right now. As we walk out this door, let it be all be just brand new. Just hallelujah. 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 Be glorified, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lord, thank you for healings. Lord, thank you for healings. Lord, thank you for the many sound minds. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the financial blessing. Not that we're looking for it, but that we have enough. We're not looking to win the lottery, Lord. We're just looking for you to be our provider. So thank you, Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. Thank you for being our provider. Thank you for all of the, the provision that we have, our food, our clothes, Father, our homes, our automobiles, whatever it is that we are doing, whatever we have, whatever good thing that we have in our life, Lord, we thank you for it. All the good things that we have come from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I want to say even, Lord, I thank you for those people that you put in our lives Father, that challenge us. But Lord, I pray that you would empower us to meet the challenge. Lord, that you would remind us that we're not going to win that person over. We're not going to um, spread or glorify you when we try to do it in the flesh. So thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Spirit, for working in us and leading us. And give us, Lord, give us every ounce of discernment that we need in those moments where we can act spiritually according to the supernatural and not the natural. And then Lord, in the days, the weeks, however long we have, I pray you would feel free to move among us, that you would baptize afresh and anew your children with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray all this in Jesus' name, our, our Lord, our Savior, and our soon coming King. Amen and amen. Now, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. God bless you. Go in peace.